Hello, I'm Mohamed Uldoshik. Welcome to Invest in Pet Care, the podcast for investors and entrepreneurs in the pet care industry. Hello everyone, welcome to this new episode and first in English, today we're going to speak about new trend in the pet care market worldwide. We're also going to speak about investment opportunities. To do so, I'm very pleased and honored to receive Rachel Shepard, which is in charge of ventures at Mars Pet Care. Hey Rachel. Hi Mohamed, how are you? I'm very good and uh, I'm very happy also because we did what we planned maybe four months ago. Yeah. We say... You're going to come in France mm -hmm. and we're going to record and I'm going to have a chance to interview you for Invest in Pet Care. This is the podcast that we do for entrepreneurs and investors in the French market. But with you, we're going to open up uh, to international markets. So I'm very excited. We're going to talk about who you are, your background, what you did, how uh, your role is instrumental in the pet care industry worldwide. And we're going to talk about your position now at uh, uh, Mars Pet Care and Lib and why we met and it will be great also to have um, your expertise and know-how and knowledge of how you see this market that you know very well growing but before going to that uh, can you please introduce yourself thanks Mohammed. thanks for having me here uh, my name is rachel shepherd i'm the director of ventures at mars pet care great uh, before going back to what you're doing right now at pet care mars pet care Um, what did you do after high school? What was your academical background? I went to UC Davis, uh, which is a great school out in California. And I actually didn't go with the intention of being an animal science major, but I fell in love with animal science while I was there. Um, and I became pre-veterinary and uh, just really had a great time at Davis. Have you ever loved pets and... Um Even if you knew that you didn't want to like study or make a medicine uh, background when you were at, at school, uh, were you always fan of pet or can you explain us how uh, you managed to do the study that you did? Yeah, so I've always had dogs. I've grown up with dogs. I've had lots of pets in my life and um, it's a truly wonderful experience. Uh, but uh, yeah, when I started taking animal science classes, I think something just clicked, right? Where you're like... Well, I've always liked this thing, but actually, I love this. Um, I loved studying it. I loved learning facts about companion animals, which I knew, right, from, from having dogs and having other pets in my life. But I was also learning about domesticated animals and cows and sheep and goats and, and, and animals I'd never really had a chance to be around and, and got a chance to do that at, in college at Davis because they have amazing facilities and amazing professors also. Um, And I got a chance to be a part of some research projects while I was there. Uh, just a truly amazing experience. And that's where, like I said, something clicked and I, I truly fell in love with the subject. That's great. Just for, for me to understand and for French people as well. In France, if you want to go and study veterinary, you go to vet school or you go to like a nurse vet school. Mm -hmm. It sounds different what you're mentioning. Like, can you explain the difference or what you were doing compared to a vet clinic or vet, you know, university? Yeah. So, um, Because in the States, you go and you do your undergrad first. Uh, I was studying animal science there. So I was really studying the, the theory, the um, practice behind, you know, the science behind veterinary medicine and things like that. If you want to be a veterinarian, you still have to go to veterinary school after that. 
um, if you're from the States. Uh, and I had originally wanted to do that. Um, during that time, I also interned at a veterinary clinic and had other internships as well, where I was learning how to care for animals in a variety of different ways. I worked at the radiology department at the veterinary teaching hospital at UC Davis. I also worked at this amazing veterinary hospital in North Davis, um, that, really taught me a whole lot. And there you have to be willing to do as much as you can from cleaning kennels, you know, and making sure everything's clean and answering the phone to actually getting a chance to learn and observe how certain cases are treated, um, what's common in certain breeds that can be really helpful, especially in companion medicine. And um, I learned so much during that time and it was really great. And then after not going to veterinary school, I actually continued working in vet hospitals as an assistant. So I wasn't in a I wasn't a tech, which is going to getting formal education, nor was I a veterinarian. But I worked in clinics for three years. What made you not decide to go for the vet or the tech? That's a much longer story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we have time for that today. But uh, basically, I applied to veterinary schools outside of the United States. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I got into a few of them, but for a variety of reasons, it didn't work out for me to be able to move, um, to another country. And so I stayed at home and, um, the funny thing is, is, is actually, I shouldn't say I stayed at home, tried to go, but a variety of things sort of sent me back home, me and and my husband. Um, and we decided to, to go back to California and I always had a backup plan to go get my MBA if veterinary school didn't work out because veterinary school is incredibly, incredibly competitive, um, and expensive depending on where you're from in the world. Um, but it's incredibly competitive. And so I knew there was always that chance that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get in. Um, so what was I going to do instead? So I went and got my MBA focused on entrepreneurship, started working for startups. Um, and then now with my role here at Mars, I'm actually able to put both of those things together. Yeah, I, I totally understand. And that's why I like to take some time to understand what is the background, because it gives like more power or more understanding of your current role. You mentioned you worked in startup. What kind of startup did you work with and what kind of role did you have there? I worked for a variety of different companies. Um, some were early stage groups within larger companies. Some were startups themselves. Um, all different stages, but primarily I worked at a pre-seed accelerator, so I was working with very early stage companies, but I was actually the director of global marketing. So I started as a marketer and kind of worked my way around to all these different companies. I really liked the growth phases, phases of what does it look like when we're building a marketing plan from scratch or building any sort of strategy from scratch. Um, so that I found really, really intriguing. And then at that pre-seed accelerator, I actually started to... Um, I, with my colleague, we, we realized there were um, not a lot of women coming through our program, and we wanted to increase that number because we were operating in over 90 countries. And we knew we could make a, a pretty significant impact if we could get more women to, to learn about our program, make it more inviting to female founders, and also, um, you know, they, they, the, the completion rates of the program were actually higher, it turns out, once they started the program. So um, we were able to double that number by the time that I left. And so through the Female Founder Initiative, which we started, I started working with companies more one-on-one, -on -one, and that's when I realized I actually like helping companies individually quite a bit. Going back to Proceed, it's very interesting because you have a bunch of entrepreneurs who are enthusiastic, they want to run their business, they're a great idea. I'm sure you see you saw many of them. If you could choose to pick one thing that you notice was this guy or those guys are successful rather than other, what would you say would be 
Like, how could you describe or anticipate that a startup at the present stage would be successful or no? That's a really great question. And I, I think I would be, it would be too uh, arrogant, I think, of me to be able to say I could for sure see it because that's definitely not the case, right? Every investor, every investment fund, everything every, has their anti-portfolio. They're companies they missed, Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So there's uh, there's always <laughs> I would love I would love it, my, I think my job would be really easy if I was able to really yeah. you know be able to predict that. But that said, there are some things I do that I that I have noticed over the years definitely draw me into a company. Meaning like it's like I'm like oh that's that's intriguing. Um, oftentimes it's the founder has a very unique perspective on what they're building, and I'm learning something from them, which I always find something. To be, to be a really great signal because we look at a lot of things, especially it's industry specific as pet care. And if I'm learning something new or we're talking about something I haven't seen before, I really like that. That's something that's really cool. Um, but the other thing is really just knowing your unit economics incredibly well and having some really unique perspectives on how you're going to go to market, what your channel strategies look like. Those are some things that tend to stand out to me a little bit, but I am by no means an expert in picking who and who and will be will or will not be successful. I also firmly believe that I could be wrong, and I like to be proven wrong too. If a founder believes they can do something, even though we haven't seen it work yet, um, True. I, I would love to see that. Yeah, I'm sure you're not a mind reader. Otherwise, I would ask you what you think <laughs> about my business. <laughs> yes. and, and but it's it's interesting to see. Oh, I saw in the past those guys. Or those startups, mm -hmm. but after 10 years, I could say, oh, this one, they, they, they worked, it didn't work, and say, okay, maybe I understood that those five that worked had this in common, but I'm sure you cannot do that. Nobody can do it. It's interesting to have this uh, point of view from this. Now, going back to pet care, how did you transition from being like uh, working with startup, helping women? that are underrepresented in the uh, entrepreneurship to be more represented. What did you do that brought you back to where you are today and the pet care industry? I actually, um, yeah, so I, at, at my, in my role at Mars Pet Care, I run the Leap Venture Studio program from the Mars Pet Care perspective. I co-lead that with our partners, Michelson Found Animals and RJ Ventures. Um, I had actually found the LEAP program online and had joined the Slack group previously uh, and was just trying to be helpful to pet care companies because I was already starting to realize, even when I was at my previous role, that um, I could be helpful to companies and I really liked that, right? Because I had connections somewhere, somehow. And in this particular industry, I also have experience in the vet hospital. And so I was trying to be helpful wherever I could um, and then you know, the pandemic happened. So I, I think I found the Slack channel it was either late 2018 or early 2019. The pandemic happened obviously. And, um, everybody was sort of heads down on their, their roles and their companies they were working for, et cetera. And then in 2021, I really started to feel this pull back to pet care. Uh, my husband and I had adopted a senior in Newfoundland and, um, we lost him in, in May of 2021. And, and I really just deeply felt like I wish he had more time. And I wish that there was something I could do to make sure that giants do, giant breeds in particular, uh, do get more time in the future. Um, and dogs all over, right? They get a better health span, a better lifespan, um, and just are able to lead happier and healthier lives. So I felt that pull very strongly when, when Brinkley passed. And it was in that moment I messaged 
my predecessor who ran Leap ahead of time, Asad Butt. Asad is an amazing person who um, kindly responded and said, I'm looking for my replacement. Are you interested? And I was had never been more interested in anything in my life. <laughs> so I felt very lucky to, to have had that moment of serendipity as well. What is the key learning you get from the attitude you have and the relationship you have your, to, to the predecessor? Like it sounds, it seems like you've been very eager to push, showing that you're there. And finally, you, you get offered to replace him. Like, yeah, I think I reconnected with him, you know, after the pandemic. Like I said, I kind of dropped off and I wasn't as active. And I came back on saying, hey, I want to be, I want to be active again. I want to help. Um, I think, I think the key learning is something I tell startups a lot, which is always put yourself out there and ask. I know that it's hard when you have all these things pulling on your time, but often I do believe that there's something that's often, and, and I don't know if it's signs or if it's, you know, energy or whatever, whatever speaks to you, but it's really, there's often something that you're looking for that's next and you're trying to get clarity around it. Um, and I think just always asking for the next logical step, whatever that looks like can really help you get on that path and be on that way. Um, and wherever I can, um, if I can, I try to play that role for people and try to open doors as part of my role at leap. Um, if I can do that for startups, I try to make that happen where I can. Now you mentioned leap for those who don't know what is leap. Can mm -hmm. you explain what? the role of Leap and how do you operate? Yes. So Leap Venture Studio and Academy is a uh, pet care focused startup community. And it breaks down into two different, sort of three different programs, really. There's a studio program, which is our 12-week seed stage accelerator program. Uh, that's a hybrid program and it's global. So we invest in companies globally. We invest 200K in each of the companies we bring through that program. And we bring six to eight companies through that program each year. We've invested in 45 companies to date, two exits so far, and they've gone on to raise over 200 million in follow-on capital across 15 countries. Then there's the Leap Venture Academy program, which is why we're in person together today. And the Leap Venture Academy program is a fellowship program that we run that's um, a week long, and we try to bring together as many resources as we can for underrepresented founders in pet care, and we do that once a year. And then we have other programming that we run as part of the whole community, which is the Slack group, which I mentioned that I joined as um, just a citizen trying to help pet care companies before. Um, and also uh, we run pitch competitions. We make connections with retailers, um, connections uh, internally at Mars where it makes sense. We try to do everything we can to bring the industry forward and just make sure that Everybody who wants access to innovation at the pet care level is able to get that so that we can all just collectively make a better world for pets, which is Mars's mission. That's Mars' mission. And um, going back, thank you for bringing down the three. Going back to the first one, which is very important, you in touch with different startups in the world. Mm -hmm. You try to find the movers, the shakers, the innovators. In which angle do you look at these enterprising companies and what makes you decide I'm going to fund this company? Well, it's a collective decision amongst the partners when we decide to make an investment. Um, I do think that it has to do with how are we re right now, the thing that we're, that's most influential is how, how can we improve care for pets? Um, how can we get help them live happier, healthier, longer lives? Um, the ways that we can do that um, 
can vary. They can look like new technologies that are more focused on veterinary medicine or diagnostics, or they can look like, um, you know, novel solutions that help pet parents, you know, get access to more veterinary care in general, or maybe even access to more information. You know, what does that look like? And so we're, we're looking at the industry holistically, but I think that's our biggest driver. And then I, I mentioned it before, but it's when you're in industry specific um, person who looks at a lot of applications and companies, there is always a really big sort of um, light bulb moment when you're seeing something brand new. You're seeing something that you haven't talked to anyone about yet, and you're like, oh, I'm this person's working on this. This is, I would say, you know, cutting edge could be a way to describe it. Um, those types of things I get really excited about, particularly, you know, if they're, if they're driving veterinary care forward and healthcare forward in particular. You mentioned Mars. For those who don't know, mm-hmm. what is the link with LIP? What's the link with LIP and how Mars Pet Care is invested in the pet care segment? Yeah, so Mars is one of the, uh, one of the partners for LIP. Uh, we, Mars is the biggest pet care company in the world. Uh, we have diagnostic solutions, veterinary solutions, nutrition solutions. Um, and uh, we are um, very invested in creating a better world for pets. That's our mission. At Leap, what I get to do as a representative of Mars is um, really bring our lens with me to the to our investment strategies, but also to really look at the landscape and say, here are some things that I think are going to make a better world for pets, and here are some founders I think are going to be able to do that and bring that to, to to market, and let's see what they can do, you know, and give them some capital to to run and make that happen. So. And how is your day-to-day life and how do you articulate this mission in your day-to-day? Oh, my day-to-day life. I meet with a lot of companies. Um, uh, I've been uh, recently getting some messages that I don't have enough availability just yet. And I promise I will that will improve in the future. But yeah, I, I, I meet with as many companies as I can um, because I do believe that no matter what, even if your company, even if like, let's say you send me a pitch deck, And it doesn't immediately strike me as something that's within our thesis or even if it doesn't immediately strike me as something that's like new and novel and interesting, I think having a conversation can change that. And then sometimes I will say, if it doesn't come across in a pitch deck, here's what you need to say on your pitch deck so that that comes across, right? And really just try to help the industry um, as much as possible. So my day-to-day looks like a lot of meetings, some of which is internally focused, right? So it's really about, again, sort of bringing that Mars lens with me. But a lot of it is meeting externally, meeting with investors, meeting with retailers, potential partners, founders, and then trying to make connections amongst them as much as I can. Connections are really the thing that I hold myself accountable for. So I try to make that happen as much as possible. Um, And then that's just a lot of, you know, connecting after that, that happens after those meetings. Yeah, it sounds like it's so much bigger than just talking with founders. You have to deal with all the stakeholders of the ecosystem. It doesn't sound like this uh, from the beginning when you you mentioned it, but what you describe is like you in the center and the ecosystem trying to make things happen. What is one of the biggest challenges that you faced since uh, you arrived to this job or based on the on the on the mission right not on, on, on the resources but based on the mission what do you see is the biggest challenge for someone like you who is trying to orchestrate an ecosystem that's a great question um first of all i want to say that 
I don't know if challenge is the right word because I find this job to be so much fun. <laughs> so this really is like the best job ever. So I, I do love it. Um, and I really do feel that purpose every day, that true mission I, that resonates with me and I take it with me into my everyday work. Um, and that's wonderful. I would say, I, I would say that probably the biggest hurdle that we've had so far though, is really trying to connect everything fast enough. You know, startups is a fast moving space and, um, we're a big global company, right? Um, and in between that are all sorts of other stakeholders that are varying degrees of sizes and locations. And um, everybody has their key objectives that they're bringing to the table every day, right? For startups, that could look like fundraising right now. Um, but for a retailer, that could look like, you know, transforming their shelves to expand to a new, you know, sort of segment, for example. And so how do, the, the biggest hurdle is really sort of finding the right time to make these connections as well. Because sometimes, you know, what I'm thinking about or I'm holding on to are some ideas or things, conversations I've had with founders or other stakeholders where I don't have an answer right now, meaning I don't know have anyone to connect them with. I'm not sure who that will be. But sometimes that comes around a little later. And so it's about sort of just resurfacing that and making sure that even if a connection sort of doesn't happen immediately, that there's still room for that to happen in the near to medium term. Um, and so, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is really just getting people to meet at the right time. And then also, of course, ma- matching the, the natural patience that comes along when you're, when you're trying to, to, to significantly improve an industry and make change, meaning, you know, Mars is trying to create a better world for pets. It's a huge mission. So we're trying to always improve the industry and make it, you know, move forward in big ways. And there's also um, some ways that startups can do that, but in the immediate short term and, you know, how do we get those two things to match is, is, a, is a, bit of a, a bit of a puzzle, I would say, that yeah, we're trying so, to figure it, out. It sounds also that timing is like, is key and yeah, is yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. How important is timing for a startup? Timing for a startup can be really important. Um even if I think back to the times where I was, you know, sort of observing startups that were more agnostic and earlier stage, there are just things that are ahead of their time, right? Um, the, and it's even more important if you look at how the fundraising environment has acted in this last year, right? So if you had already raised a lot of money first, a lot being relative, right? If you had raised good money for your business and if you were fundraising versus if you were still early stage, that experience of this contraction we've seen from the fundraising market is very different, Mm -hmm. right? You're under different types of pressures depending on what stage you were in. And if you were in a channel strategy that was more equipped to handle the last 12 months, that would have been a benefit, right? But you couldn't have seen that coming. No one did. And then, or if you were in a place where you had worked more towards profitability versus growth, you were probably in a better place in the last 12 months. But again, these things sort of change and they change kind of quickly, right? It doesn't, you kind of feel the waves changing, so to speak. And then all of a sudden it's like something significant has shifted and it's a lot for founders to keep up with and they can't you know, go back and forth and all the other things with, you know, all the industry ebbs and flows. So it's really a matter of what is strategically um, appropriate for them and their business and what are their true core competencies and then how does the time frame of what a startup life cycle cycle could look like at any given time, how does that overlap with their startup journey? I mean, it's very complicated. It's interesting what you mentioned. We saw like in the past, yeah, 12, 15 months, 
uh, many startups who were investing in growth didn't have the resources to keep going. Mm -hmm. uh, you have early stage company who wants to start a business. If they started maybe 18 years ago, 18 months ago, they would have the funding, but now they don't have it. Mm. It seems like the conjuncture like prevents money to flow the way it used to. And now we're more focused on profitability. Mm -hmm. Do you think or how possible it's, it is to come back to how it was? Or do you think we're going to take a different way And we're going to focus on profitability for the future and we, we never get uh, companies funded the way it was in the past. You know, I think that's a, that's a very interesting question because it, there's a lot of layers to it, right? So, but to, to totally answer your question, I don't know if we'll ever repeat something exactly how we've already been through it, mm. right? Especially because our whole world was shaken up by a global pandemic and mm. Everybody, you know, des definitely hopes that that doesn't ha ever happen again. So what, but to your point, are there things that could happen in the near to medium term that have a similar effect on pet care or have a similar effect on startups where we see a lot of growth um, and we see a, a pivot back to focusing on growth versus profitability and potential returns, but I don't know. I, I can't. I can't really see things going back to the way it was because it was such a, a mix of so many different things that were happening, um, and one of them was massively global um, and really terrible. And so, I'm not sure. Meaning, you know, obviously the pandemic, and then pet care had some tailwinds as a result, right? Because people were adopting pets, and that's that's a great thing. But um, the pandemic itself, obviously, no one wants that to happen again. So, how do we? How do we think about what what those types of things, you know, can can have an effect on pet care? Meaning, are there other things that can come in the short to medium term that will cause similar tailwinds? And then will those tailwinds also coincide with tailwinds in the startup market in general? Ooh, that's a lot of different variables. Yeah. So I don't know if we'll ever go back to something like that again in the future. But everything's sort of like the the ground shifts beneath beneath us every six to 12 months or so. And things always feel a little bit different in startups. And so what I try to do is just communicate that information if I have it. If whatever we're seeing, I try to tell people. They're fundraising. People will ask me, is now a good time? I don't actually know the answer to that. But what I can say is I'm either getting more calls like that or less calls like that, if that makes sense. And so those are some things I try to share is general trend information as it's happening um, because I don't have real-time real data or predictive data, but I do have you know sort of my anecdotal data I'm always happy to share. You mentioned the big vision of Mars and how Leap is instrumental in it. Where do you see um, Mars and the project you're working in in five or ten next years? In five years... We hope that Leap is marching its way towards 75 to 100 investments, right? Uh, and we've been, in, we've been around for five years. And so to date, that would put us close to 100 investments if we were to say on that speed. And I would say Mars is, is always trying to find new ways to really support that future of pet care, knowing that a better world for pets includes the world, right? Like we, we are a large player, but we are not the only player by any means. And so really moving toward um, making some, some big, big, huge impacts in what the future of pet care can look like. And I think startups will always play a role in that.
So if Leap looks the exact same when you and I sit down maybe five years from now versus if it looks very different, um, I think that is something that we will continue to assess because we'll always continue year over year to say, are we doing enough for startups? Are we meeting the right criteria for them? Are we really truly playing to our role in this space? I think those are the things we can continue to assess year over year. But no matter how Leap looks in the future, it'll always be about how do we bring the entire industry forward so that we're all creating a better world for pets. Your playground sounds to be very international. You're mm -hmm. in Europe, you're in the US. Uh, during this fellowship, we have people from Australia, from the UK, from Italy, from France. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested to compare the trends in this big market. You see that there is like a trend and some countries are ahead, some countries catching up. What difference do you see or major difference do you see between Europe, European market and the US market, for example? There's a few key, I think, differences between the Europe, Europe and US. Um, some of it is Europe obviously is not... Um, Is, is, is talked about as one big group, but there's a lot of different nuances of those different markets within, right? So there's there's some other things that pop up. One is, my understanding is that the vet shortages that are happening in the US are not happening at the same rate in the UK in particular, but I think there's some other markets that maybe do or do not have. In France is definitely the case. It's definitely the case. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's helpful to know. And I think there's some other markets that are experiencing one side or the other of that as well. So that's the, the vet market is a little bit different. The second is insurance. Insurance is very low in the United States, insurance adoption. Um, and so that's a really key difference between, you know, the average across Europe as a whole is I think sits around somewhere 30%. And that could be as high as 50 or 80%, depending on which country you're looking at. So insurance is a key difference as well. Um, and then I would just say from a startup perspective, the Funding is very different, um, as well as expansion, right? Because expansion within a market, um, you know, is uh, language can become a barrier as you expand across the, the EU um, or to the UK or from the UK. Um, and there's also different nuances in every geographical region. Uh, so it depends on your solution, but those can be different challenges from a startup perspective. Um, and then from the US perspective, It can be a lot about just the, the lot of the challenges we I mentioned. Sort of, there's um, some challenges in the veterinary industry as well as insurance is low, and that may or may not be something that affects a startup business. And if you take it from the consumer perspective, you might have like a different approach on how do I take care of my pet. Mm -hmm. For example, in the U.S., pet parents is a term that's been there for for a while. Mm -hmm. In France, for example, it's kind of new and people are not really comfortable saying it, but okay. you see that the behavior, the market, mm -hmm. it's very interesting. We mentioned like the structural as aspect of, of the economic Europe versus um, uh, the United States. If you compare from a consumer perspective, what, will you, what would be your insight about the pet parents and what are the needs to be fit in the future? I think... One of the things that I think about a lot, and I, I sort of say this not so much as, you know, Mars or Leap, but more so just as me, Rachel, and observing. One of the things I think about a lot is accessibility to care. I think about what that means. In the United States, that can mean both geographically, so like having wide ranges of places that don't have veterinary hospitals, 
or that could mean from a financial perspective. I think both are important for us to think about. There's still a large portion of pets in the United States who don't see any vets. Um, I believe that number sits around 30%. Um, and another 25% or so only see vets for um, vaccines. And so how can we make veterinary care more accessible for pet parents of all age groups, backgrounds, you know, uh, everywhere, right? Like locations, et cetera. How do we, how do we make that better is something I think about a ton. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really like the key, key, key driver. I think of our industry as we think about how to move it forward is how do we keep pet parenthood the most joyful thing that someone can experience, right? Um, uh, and, and pet parenthood and, and, and however other that term fits into your lifestyle, um, because it truly is a joyful experience. And what I want people to know is that um, you don't have to do the pre- you don't have to do everything at a premium in order to provide a pet with a loving home, with basic care, with you know food, water, shelter, all the things that they need and, and attention. Right? Those are the things that they need and they really want. Um, and everything else is above and beyond that. So how do we make that still the key? accessibility point and that's also what's told to pet parents that they need to be able to to deliver on um because i've had interesting conversations with pet parents over the last couple of years about what they think they need to be doing for their pet versus what they can afford and i think sort of being able to to rethink um how that marketing comes across is going to be really important in just helping people remain pet parents as long as they can provide the very basics, like I said, basic vet care, food, water, shelter, and loving home, right? And, and attention. I think if you can do those things, you can, you can really can, um, have an awesome, amazing experience as a pet parent. Yeah, it feels like uh, it's a great mission that you have. Today, we ask more to companies and organizations than just doing business. Impact is very important, especially in pet care. Mm-hmm. What do you guys at LIP organize or set up? to have positive impact and if you can share some example that you run at LEAP. Yeah, so at LEAP we have, um, we take underrepresentation in pet care very seriously and so meaning we know that there are underrepresented pet parents out there and we know that that's underrepresentation also um, includes at the founder level. And so we run the LEAP Venture Academy program strictly for underrepresented founders 65% of our portfolio identify as women and or a person of color. So we do have representation in our portfolio, and that's something we continue to hold ourselves accountable for. That's one thing that I think is really important because it does matter when when we talk about who's shaping the future of pet care, right? Um, And in 10 years from now, we want that to continue to get more inclusive year over year over year. And hopefully in 10 years, we can really see some changes um, and some true impact there. So um, I think that's really important. But yeah, there's there's some big missions too that aren't being solved by us, Leap, necessarily, but they're being solved by founders, um, and those are some some really really cool um, solutions that are out there that I think are making the better world for pets. They're also helping people. They're also changing, you know, how medicine works and how veterinary medicine works. And and I'm just I'm truly in awe of the founders that I get to chance to meet every day. What is the structure or your team look like how many people in your team and what is the culture when you work with your team 
There are two people on the Mars Becker side of the Leap team, um, and there are a total of six of us that work across for Leap across all three partners. Um, and it's really great. I mean, we're just collaborating to try to create, you know, like we said, there's a ton of ton of pet care startups out there. We have over 1,400 in our Slack group. And so how do we create programming that can scale that support as much as possible? How do we create connections, eco, like that big ecosystem that you talked about earlier? How do we make that as scalable as possible so that we can help as many people as possible? So that's really great. And then um, Audrey Yu, uh, who's our VP of innovation and, and my colleague on the venture team, she and I think about how do we, how do we bring that um, as part of our, uh, how do we bring Leap internally to make a difference as well? And meaning, meaning how do we make connections between Mars Pet Care and startups where that's applicable? I like to finish my interview with more personal stuff okay. related to, to business, of course. I'm sure you're very busy. You're always traveling and you meet so many people during mm-hmm. your day-to-day work. What do you do uh, to disconnect from work and relax yourself? That's a great question. I actually, uh, I talked about this a little earlier today at our academy. One of the, I'm a huge sports fan. I love sports, um, particularly American football. And so I follow it a lot and I watch it a lot. Um, I also watch basketball, um, mostly March Madness. I love the college tournament that comes up every year. Um, I love watching the Olympics, World Cup, everything that comes around that's kind of a sporting event. I love having a, a game to look forward to at the end of the day. <laughs> I think that's something that's really fun. We're on a weekend. Um, I also spend um, a lot of time uh, just with my husband and my two dogs. I have a corgi who's 13 and a half. His name's Rooney. He's hilarious. Um, and then we also have a, a, a goofy St. Bernard. She's really, really sweet. Her name's Fiona, and she's somewhere between three and four. Um, and yeah, uh, spend a lot of time with them. And uh, I like to read. I like to read books, historical fiction. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of book would you like Uh, to recommend or uh, mm-hmm. to share or uh, as a gift for Christmas, for example? Oh, okay. It's not a historical fiction book, although that's my favorite, but um, it's a book that I love and it's called Joyful. And it's actually about their, it's, it's identified. So Ingrid Fatel Lee is the author. She identified 10 aesthetics of joy that are actually inherent in our day-to-day lives. And there's, Every, every aesthetic is actually some, like there's a neurological, psychological thing that's happening. So it's like very innate in us to feel joyful when we see color or light or, you know, um, there's, there's repetition or harmony and there's all these different things. So, um, I found that, that book to be awesome. Um, I read it before the pandemic. I reread it during the pandemic. (laughs) Um, and I just think it, it helps you put, rose-colored glasses on and can kind of change your perspective even if you don't change anything else around you. Any podcast that you like to listen? <laughs> I do like to listen to podcasts. One of my favorites is called Around the NFL, which is has to do with football. <laughs> It's the best. Um, I got to see them do a live recording in London, and that was really cool last year. Um, it really is like the best uh, podcast uh, that I listen to, in my opinion. And then also... Um, Uh, Bad on Paper is another good podcast that's about books. And then, of course, people should check out Invest in Pet Care. Great. Thank you for the promo. <laughs> yes. Who do you think we should uh, invite for our next guest for the podcast? Well, I think you're going to invite a couple of founders I already know. Uh, I think the list is, the list is pretty long. 
Um, but there are some, some really awesome teams out there. There's one, um, that I, I, I would love to, for you to be able to interview, they're called uh, Best DBNB, and they actually have a secure platform that provides safe nights for pets. Um, so they do that when people who need to seek help at a domestic violence shelter or need to go to a homeless shelter or have a mental health crisis or are having cancer treatments, they provide safe pets for their home. And they created a platform that's completely secure and does that. Um, and, and, you know, leverages local resources that are there to support and so that pets are safe and people are safe. And I think that's just a beautiful, you know, mission to have and, and they're providing safe nights all across the United States. And I think it's really exciting that they're, they're doing this work. I'd be happy to have the introduction, of course. Of course. You, I'm sure you met hundreds, maybe thousands of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and others that during your career will give you advice. Some are good, some are bad. Do you remember great advice that you've been given and that helped you in your career that you could share? One, yes. There's something that I take with me every day, and it's it was less explicit advice, but it was something that happened to me. So it was back when I was at UC Davis. I had this amazing professor, um, and her name's Dr. Anita Oberbauer. She's incredible, and I got a chance to work with her. And she just really encouraged me in a way that was very direct and straightforward. And, and of course we've had, you know, you, you have lots of people who influence you in life, but I remember her words so specifically and just being able to say, you know what, you can do this. And I take that with me every day because I think sometimes founders need to hear that somebody believes in what they're doing. And I don't say it if I don't mean it, but you know, there are definitely some times where I'm like, you can do this. You're onto something. Something's happening here. I like this. And I just try to give people the encouragement that I think sometimes doesn't go, you know, goes without being said, but I think it's really helpful to hear it because I think that can change the trajectory of somebody's path um, in a variety of ways. So I, I take that with me every day. If you have a personal message to send to our listeners, any investors or potential startup or founders that you want to meet, what would be this message? Enjoy the work. And I hope you already do. But if you don't, just remember that we get to work on, you know, helping pets and helping people help pets. And what a beautiful thing to get to work on every single day. I know I'm happy to be here. So I hope you are too. Uh, what can I uh, wish you for the next uh, three years and five years for you and Leap and the future of pet care? Oh, I would just say, you know, I hope that we just get get to keep doing this work and the way that we're doing it now and, and however else the industry needs it, you know, that we're able to help people. It's truly, it's truly an amazing job to have. So just, I hope, I hope I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> we always finish uh, with a question of uh, what is your definition of care? Mm. In terms of pet care, I assume. Uh, okay. So in terms of pet care, I would say it's exactly kind of what I outlined earlier. It's that basic vet care, food, shelter, water, and love and attention. I think that is caring for a pet in its most purest form. And um, in return, they give us so much joy. So <laughs> I think it's a it's a truly incredible thing to get to do. And um, and yeah, I, 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 I just want people everywhere to be able to provide that care to their pets every day. Rachel, thank you so much. Thank you, Mohamed. I really enjoyed this conversation. 
you see, we talked about your background and you figured out that your background is connected to what you're doing right mm -hmm. now. And mm -hmm. your mission is very simple. And congratulations for what you're doing. I wish you all the best. And thank you guys for listening this first episode in English with <laughs> Shepard. Stay tuned for the next one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to support us, you can like us or share the podcast. If you have anybody you think we should interview for this podcast, please feel free to reaching out to me at LinkedIn directly at Mohamed Uldashik. I hope you really enjoyed it and I see you next time.